on May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. What is going on, everyone? Welcome to yet another episode of the Shock Factor Podcast, where this week I am joined by a man who needs no introduction, as I usually am, but this one's extra special. We got... We're going international this week. We got Travis Bazana. Travis, how are you doing? I'm good, thanks, Stephen. Good so, to be on here. Travis, you just got back to school from winter break but for you winter break's a little different because you're in an entirely different hemisphere were you able to go home yeah i i got home for christmas and the new year so it was uh pretty exciting lucky enough it's summer in australia right now so i got to be in the sun and kind of switch back from the cold Oregon weather which was nice <laughs> yeah you got you get a real interesting situation where it's like okay i'm going home for winter break but I'm gonna like you know be in the water all the time. I'm gonna I'm gonna be in a nice hot climate. It's pretty good setup you got there. Yeah, I'm I'm lucky. I love it back home. And <laughs> def- definitely enjoy the beach and the water. So it was it was good. Yeah. So back home for you, of course, is correct me if I'm saying this wrong, but Turramurra, Australia. Yeah, that's like that's where I went to high school. Um, it's kind of the yeah, that's where I'm from. Yeah. <laughs> so and that's near sydney if i recall correctly i'm not great at yeah, geography i no that's okay it's like a above of sydney like north sydney okay yeah. that's not bad at all so what are your, what are yeah. some of your favorite hobbies to do when you go back home um go to the beach um uh golf a little bit with my friends mainly my baseball friends that are in australia <laughs> um and yeah kind of just considering i'm not back there very often now mm-hmm. it's usually just like spending quality time with my family and friends um the ones that i don't get to see very often so just like whether it's going out for lunch or dinner or breakfast or anything like that just catching up with people yeah no that's awesome and from my research the food in australia looks really good i'll have to try some of it do you do you have a favorite australian food yeah, no, I, I, my roommates hear enough of it about me talk, talking about Australian food. Um, <laughs> just, I, like, I always end up comparing it to Australia. And I think it's, I think it's better in Australia, but like, I, there's still some pretty good options we don't have back home. Uh, Australian food. When I had went home, I had one of my favorite foods, and it just, it reminded me that like that's the answer. When I get this question, my auntie makes a a white chocolate cheesecake. And it's, Ooh. it's just 
unbelievable. Like any, like any other cheesecake I've ever had. It's, uh, it's way, way above the rest. So uh, maybe my favorite Australian food is a home-cooked cheesecake from my auntie. <laughs> I mean, I feel like that's a good answer for just about anywhere in the world. Yeah. Your your sales yeah. pitch for it sounds incredible, though. So <laughs> yeah. I, I'm jealous that that sounds like a really good choice there. But yeah. kind of shifting towards baseball, for you in high school, did <clears throat> you play multiple sports or was it just all baseball all the time? Yeah, I, I played multiple sports. However, in Australia, high school sports, isn't really a big deal unless you sort of go to a, pri- a private school for rugby or cricket um mm-hmm. the public school public school sports system which i was a part of is sort of just very there's not much competitiveness or like seriousness to it the competition is pretty light like there's not <laughs> much practice or anything like that so you spend your time playing sports um sort of outside of school with clubs and um, representative teams that are for the local area, kind of like all-star teams and stuff. That's sort of how the sports scene works a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, I played, I played soccer and rugby sort of when I was younger, but mainly in high school it was uh, baseball, cricket, and um, a little bit of track and field, a little bit of long jump. So, but yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the speed for you, we get to see it on the Bates Pass. I feel like it probably translated to track pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> but for you playing baseball and cricket, I feel like that's a – is that common? Like, do many people do that? Because I feel like it would just totally tank the strike zone discipline when baseball season came. I mean, that's coming from a guy who's completely ignorant about cricket. I do not understand – I've never, like – investigated or looked into it as much so i could be completely wrong <laughs> yeah i think it's not very common to play both i think a lot of cricketers uh cricketers um and they kind of just stick foot. they don't even play much soccer and rugby i don't from what i remember but um yeah it didn't it didn't get in the way of anything to do with baseball i felt like i was putting all my extra time into baseball practice, but then I was showing up for cricket, if that makes sense. And so um, I think cricket just became more reps of hand-eye coordination, really. Like you're just seeing a ball and hitting it. And um, that, I definitely think the extra reps playing cricket helped me with my barrel skills and um, just maybe even my my swing decisions when it came to it, just because of like seeing something and hitting it more and more i think it's just practice reps even though it's a different thing it's it's still like using the same parts of your brains and all of that so like uh yeah i think that it was helpful and i was able to kind of separate the two in terms of not letting my cricket swings affect my baseball swings and then also just being able to have a a specific baseball approach in the box and and like not not back like a cricket (laughs) definitely and like that's a very good point i think maybe it even helps subliminally because like in cricket you'll see pitches that are bulls that like bounce and try to hit the wicket so you're kind of seeing a ball travel in a different dimension than you ever really see on a baseball field so maybe like i'll have to do some additional research into you um with how you do against pitchers with high ride because 
I feel like maybe you have an advantage there where it, it's the pitches that look like they're staying up. So <laughs> I, yeah, I, I got to know though, have you ever like had, had a pitcher throw you a curveball in the dirt that bounced kind of good and you're like, wow, I could have actually kind of cranked that just based on my cricket experience. I've never thought of that. I think that, <laughs> I think when a curveball in the dirt, it's either like, if I take it, I'm stoked. Like, yeah, that was, <laughs> that was great. I took it. Definitely, definitely not thinking about cricket in the moment. And then if I swing at it, I'm like, damn, I look silly. This, this is embarrassing. No, but, well, uh, yeah. <laughs> well, you're the one player in college baseball. I feel like that can be like, no, actually, like it was smart of me to swing at that because I've cranked that pitch before in in cricket. That's it. I've done it. <laughs> you know, I I had a plan actually. I knew what I was doing. It just didn't yeah, work. My, <laughs> might have to try it this year. Yeah, you never know. I mean, it, obviously, don't try to swing and miss at curveballs in the dirt. But if if I do come across a highlight of you hitting a 12-6 curveball that goes 48 feet, 350 feet over the right field wall, <laughs> I will be super stoked. And I will refer to this moment. <laughs> no, that would be awesome. <laughs> now, so baseball was kind of an extracurricular thing where – I feel like in Australia, it sounds like you kind of really had to be passionate about it to be pursuing it. So going along that vein, what was getting recruited to play baseball in America like just with playing in Australia a whole life? Yeah, uh, I always knew that I wanted to play baseball in the U.S. and, and pursue a major league dream, for lack of a better word. Um, but yeah, once you once I got to 14, 15 years old, it was about finding the best path to get to the States and and make a step towards the major leagues kind of thing. Uh, so, yeah, I started to look into what college would look like and maybe a pro opportunity um, as a 16-year-old, but it ended up being best for me to try to find a good college opportunity. And I really thought that I was going to end up going to a junior college because that was sort of the Australian way back, way back when was just like D1 schools aren't going to see you enough. Um, and you're not going to play if you go there as a freshman out of Australia. So you got to go to a junior college. Um, and that was sort of what I was expecting to do. And then I had a mentor um, who was part of a business at the time or two mentors, Trent Ultron and Ryan Roland Smith. And they, they kind of told me like, look, we, we train some American kids going to these quality schools um, and you can really like get recruited by them and you just need to kind of prepare the best and you'll, you'll, you'll be able to get recruited by them. And they instilled this confidence in me and sort of there was a period leading up to the fall classic in Arizona in 2019, where I just was really focused on being prepared to get recruited by the colleges that I wanted to. And um, yeah, after getting my transcripts and SATs all sorted out and um, just trying to get myself sort of peaking athletically into that um, showcase and tournament. I got recruited by Oregon State and a couple West Coast schools. And uh, yeah, lucky enough, I chose Oregon State and and now I'm here and in my third year. So it was sort of an interesting process because you have to travel to the U.S. to get recruited um, unless you're just getting recruited over video, which often it's hard to get a good deal <laughs> yeah. or a, a really a really quality program just out of a video or something like that so yeah i got over to the states and lucky enough i performed when it was that two-week period where 
really mattered and uh, Oregon State was one of my dream schools in town. Yeah. Yeah, no, I mean, that whole story is incredibly awesome because, I mean, we talk about it all the time or, or I'm contacted a lot by people trying to get <clears throat> recruited and they're asking like, hey, what can I do? And it's crazy to think about like, we view that time period as a ton of pressure for high school baseball players here in America. And it's like three to four years sometimes. And for you, yeah. it's like, you got two weeks, you're either going to do it or you aren't. And yep. you you proved yourself and you were right. I mean, Oregon State made a very solid choice with picking you. But also, you, it sounds like there were options and you had to you, you got to pick Oregon State as well. So what was it about Oregon State that you, you were so interested in? Yeah, I think I went into the recruiting trip with a couple key thoughts that I was going to bring myself back to when I was making a decision about a school. And it was like coaching sort of relatability and how comfortable I felt with them. So the stuff was sort of step one, like, did I feel like I could be myself from the get go? As soon as I get there, do I feel right now comfortable in conversation with these coaches? Um, do I think they're going to help me flourish as a person or are they sort of coach and you're just a player and you're just another guy? I don't know. I felt, comfortable and valued at Oregon State truly uh, and then I wanted to be a part of somewhere that had a rich winning history and a, a real knack for play development um, and a, that was a year after they won the national championship and um, and being a second baseman I just saw Nick Madrigal going the top five picks overall and Adley Rutschman do the same and it was sort of like the perfect storm considering I felt really at home with the staff and like the people I met while I was um, getting recruited. So it was just, it was just everything. And it's really played out like that way. Like I get along great with the staff. I've, I see them as more than just my coaches and that people I'm going to have in life forever. So it's, it's been incredible. Yeah, no, that's something that I really love to hear just because that's so good for the game of college baseball. It means more pl players and coaches like that where they're kind of transparent and it's not always just about, hey, I want to win. It's, hey, I want to win, but be with people I actually enjoy being around. And it sounds like you really have that <clears throat> at Oregon State. Yep. And so starting off your freshman year, you know, you mentioned, hey, you know, a lot of kids from Australia will go the JUCO route because they don't really get to capitalize on that freshman year. That wasn't the case for you. You you came out of the gate firing. You hit 306. You hit six bombs, 16 doubles. Just insane stuff to start off your college career. What was your mentality like going into, you know, that freshman fall where it's like, okay, I got to earn a spot here. And then carrying, okay, I've earned this spot throughout the season. Now I'm going to keep this spot. Yeah. I was lucky. I I got set up. Once I, once I got recruited by Oregon State, um, I planned to play some ball with the Corvallis Knights um, in preparation for my freshman fall. So before I even started at Oregon State, I played some ball at Corvallis or in in Corvallis at Goss Stadium, which is the art of the Beavis home field. Um, which means that, like, I played in front of our coaches 15 or 20 times in the <laughs> summer at home. Um, and lucky enough, I played great and played with confidence and just had it going for me in the summer ball to where 
I knew they'd seen me. I'd talked to them and I knew I'd impressed. And I was like, I'm, I'm ready. And they were telling me the same thing. You're ready. Like, uh, you're, you're going to make an impact for us this year. And that's before I even had my first full practice. Um, <laughs> and obviously the coaches can tell you whatever they want, but it was real. It was like after a game, um, with their family around or something like that. Like I, I played myself into confidence going into the fall, but also they like sort of instilled that even more in me that like, don't, don't shy away from anything. Like you're going to be a guy for us this year. Yeah. And um, then from the fall, I, I played good and felt like I further earned my spot, but um, I had confidence going into the fall just because of the summer right before the fall and also having the coaches backing me. Yeah. And, I mean, that sounds like an unbelievably great setup because I, I love when schools, one, I don't love it because it's like some <clears throat> schools will bring guys to train over summer and get yeah. acclimated. Like when I transferred to UVA, I had to go over summer and do conditioning and stuff in school, which wasn't super yeah. fun. But I at least yeah. got used to the environment, knew where I was going to go after games to get food. I knew all, I knew everything about Charlottesville that I needed to know. And so for you, that's such a good setup where you can play at the stadium where it's like, okay, that's the batter's eye I'm going to be looking at when I'm trying to hit doubles and inner squads and impress the coaches. Like th this is yep. the setup. This is all of the preparation area and everything I need to be ready. So that's, that's such a good setup. Yeah. Hey everyone, we're going to take a quick break from our discussion to hear a couple ads from our sponsors. Bosch tools are built for workers. Bosch's powerful hammer drill has kickback control to help tough work go more smoothly when you need it. Bosch tools, what hard workers deserve. Learn more at BoschTools.com. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. All for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. On May 10th, Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes is coming to IMAX and theaters everywhere. This summer, one movie event will reign. It is our time. I stole my village. I know where they're taking your clan. Bend for your king. Never. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Only in theaters May 10th. Tickets on sale now. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Do you want a beautiful lawn? Enter True Green, the easiest way to get a great lawn. Just water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and more. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour, and they have a verified best price, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com, T-R-U-G-R-E-E-N.com, to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people. Guaranteed. Now, while we're on the topic of summer ball, of course, you had a phenomenal sophomore season as well at Oregon State. And this summer, you got to play in the Cape Cod League for the Falmouth Commodores, where, again, you tore it up. You hit above 370 once again, which, you know, that's kind of just what you do at this point. 
But what was it like playing up on the Cape? It was amazing. Uh, the people, the environment in the Cape, the staff we had, the players I played with and against, just everything was like what I would love to be doing, just playing baseball every day in the nice weather, um, good food out there. It was it was just a perfect, perfect summer in my eyes. And I, I loved it. I got to meet a lot of quality people and quality players that I think I'm going to be watching or playing against or playing with in the future. That's something I'll kind of cherish for a long time. Yeah, looking back, I, I will say when baseball, when college ball was <clears> done for me, I was sad. But I was also a lot older than a lot of people. So, like, a lot of my friends from my time in the Cape were, like, making their MLB debuts. So, it was like, yeah. oh, this is awesome. Like, you, the the people you meet up there stick with you forever. And yeah. in the world of baseball, it just gets smaller and smaller the further and further you play, which I'm, I'm sure you're recognizing. But it, it I'm sure a lot of people are going to be like, yeah, and I, I actually played with Travis Bazana when I was on the Cape. So it, it's a really cool situation. But what was your favorite food up on the Cape? I think warm lobster roll with, with butter. Oh. I think – I, I, I think a lot of people like the cold ones and I, I don't mind them, but I feel like the best food I had there was maybe the first lobster roll I had, which was a warm one with butter and I loved it. Um, but then again, I feel like I'm th there's a lot of food going over my head right now for the cake, uh, but that's just what like comes to my mind when I think of food. So yeah, no, that. that. That's a staple. That's a phenomenal answer. I, I've never had a cold one. I think that would kind of freak me out. I like the, mm -hmm. the warm ones, though, with the butter. I feel like any sort of sandwich that you can douse in butter is a good sandwich. That's one. That's a yeah. winner in my <laughs> mind, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. so how would you compare? To, were you able to, I know there's not many off days. Were you able to go to any of the beaches on Cape Cod? Yeah. My host family sort of lived right on right on the beach, a couple minutes, a couple minutes walk, but like a true walking distance. Uh, so I was there most most mornings just to freshen up, have a swim, walk around, do something other than sit in the house. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I didn't go to many beaches other than that, maybe one or two local ones, but um, mainly just yeah by the by my host family's house was the beach and I spent a good amount of time there with my roommates alone just hanging out so it was no, it was yeah definitely great that's not a bad setup at all but I gotta ask you know because Cape Cod it's one of America's best places it's one of the coolest places we have to offer how did the beaches on the Cape compare to Australia beaches I'm are, are they like wildly completely different yeah they're different I think a lot of the beaches I went to were more calm on the Cape than mm -hmm. Australian. Um, but then again, like there's so much different beaches. I can't really make a full like Cape versus Australia <laughs> comparison, but I'd say, yeah, the Cape beaches were a little more calm and small. And a lot of Australian beaches are like longer, more populated with more surfers and um, maybe some bigger waves, but both both nice uh, and 
yeah <laughs> I, I don't know <laughs> I, i'd say i've got australia over the cape but the cape does a really good job especially like i'm living in the northwest and oregon um yeah <laughs> oregon beaches are not really like yeah they don't really compare so it was cool to be somewhere that like had really quality beaches yeah, I, I would say like the Cape Cod beaches are probably the most relaxing beaches, but you aren't going to see like cool stuff. Like Australia, it <laughs> sounds like you're going to see some cool stuff. You're going to see some surfers. You're going to see at least something going on in the water. The Cape's more like, all right, we're going to dip our toes in, just relax. Yeah, yeah, 100%. <laughs> now, now, when I was doing my research on you, I stumbled across two separate things, completely different things. The first thing I stumbled across was an interview where you were talking about using Darwin Barney's glove and the impact that using a well-shaped and well-formed glove had on you. How did you uh, talk your situation or get into a situation where you're like, hey, coach, can I uh, use that? Because, you know, infielders, they are, they are meticulous about whose hand goes in their gloves. They, they don't let it happen easily. So how did that come about? Basically, Darwin was the infield coach here my first two years and totally instilled confidence in my defensive ability and, like, changed me as an infielder. Um, amazing. But he, from the get-go, like, talked about how important it was for him to have a good glove. And he said... I could have never been a gold glover if I didn't have the best glove in the league. Like truly, you don't, you'll, you won't understand until you understand. And um, I, I had my glove and then one day, like he had, he had gloves, all the gloves he used to use, he had. And, and he kind of just like would always bring different ones out and play catch with guys and stuff. And do like the infield drills with us and things. And, yeah, one day he just let me um, use one and said, hey, like, try this. Try this, feel what it feels like. And I was like, wow, this catches it way better than my glove. Um, <laughs> and um, I began to just ask him, hey, like, can I try that glove? Can I use it? And then he, he just said, hey, like, you should use it. And uh, I started, started using them uh, every day. But, yeah, he just – something different about the way he breaks in a glove and it just catches it better yeah did he like share a secret with you of like how to achieve that or was he kind of like you know what this kid's gonna have he's gonna be fun to talk to for a long time in the baseball world let's keep him coming back to me for every time he needs a new glove he's gonna need to come through me <laughs> yeah i don't know he he shared some tips but haven't had the same success breaking in my new Wilson's from Oregon State. Um, <laughs> <so>. <laughs> well, we'll, we'll definitely. I think I need to keep working on it. We'll, we'll definitely get talking to a few different people who can put their minds together to help you. I used to relay baseball gloves a lot. So if you ever need help with that sort of thing, just let me know. Um, yeah, I couldn't sure. field. I couldn't field for anything. I looked like a horse with no hoofs out there on the ground. <laughs> but. You know, I at least knew how to make the gloves fold easy. <clears throat> now, another thing I learned in my extensive research, because, you know, I'm a, I'm a little bit weird in how I go about my ways. I'll Google you a little bit, but I'm transparent with you about my process. And I'll look through Instagram, see if anything sticks out. I noticed that in the fall, you were honored at a football game. 
And you were wearing like the coolest outfit I've ever seen in my life. Like you got nice pants on a really cool sweater. Is that like, do you have average Australian style? Like, is that the norm around there? Or is that something where it's like, no, that's, that's the Bazana flair on it right there. It's interesting. I was having this conversation while I was back home with my Australian friends that play baseball in the U S um, and we were talking about how in Australia, if you like when people go out, whether it's for dinner or just go out in general, like the standard is just like you sort of dressing up a little bit and that's just okay. the way it is. That's just the way it is. And then you come here and every single person's wearing Lulu joggers and a Lulu shirt and, <laughs> or a, a Nike dry fit shirt and some Lulu shorts. And like, that's it. That's where they, they wear that everywhere. All my team <laughs> and everyone in the cage, same thing. So everyone's wearing the same, like, like sort of, you could go, you could go lift weights and what everyone wears everywhere here, all my teammates. <laughs> Whereas like in Australia, like you separate that, like, it's like you separate going to the field in something versus going to a nice dinner with coaches like you'd wear like a button up and some nice pants but i don't know i'd say australians like sort of have have great style and um i'm not gonna say i have great style but i like i definitely enjoy putting some nice clothes on or at least what i think is nice and the boys might clown me a little bit but dressing up but it's it's all right well, the, the guys clowning on you, that's a textbook. That's a, that's a very American thing that I like to call good shaming, where it's like, I'm sure when you get all your accolades, you get named, you know, the top three draft prospect for the 2024 draft by D1 baseball, your teammates see that they give you crap about it. it it's good shaming. It's what they do. It's the same thing yeah. with style. It's I show up to the field. I'm in sweats. Travis shows up. He looks like a star. I'm like, damn, I wish I could do that wish I could do that. So what do you have any style tips that you can leave our listeners with that, that they can take home with them to kind of shift towards that better thing? I love the nugget of, it looks like you could lift weights in anything we wear around here. Cause that's spot on. Yeah, no, I'd say just be able to separate, separate your lifting clothes and your hitting clothes from going out for dinner or going to someone's house for food or, uh, taking a girl out on a date, whatever it is. Um, you've got to separate those two things. You shouldn't be wearing the same shirt. But I think that's all I got. Yeah, but of course, if you are a freshman, just wear your team-issued gear everywhere. That's the coolest thing. Yeah, uh, <laughs> definitely. Now, wrapping up, looking ahead to the 2024 season, who are some Oregon State teammates that we need to keep our eye on? Yeah, yeah. Um, First one that comes to my head is just, I think it's going to break out even more this year. Um, Mason Guerra, he will probably play corner infield, maybe a little bit of left field for us this year. And he had a great uh, 2023 season, but I've seen him make strides that are ready to show on the field in the last couple of months. And I'm super excited for him because he's sort of got the potential to be one of the best bats in the country. And no one's really seen that from him yet. Maybe back in high school, he showed incredible ability and he showed it last year, um, but he he really hasn't tapped into all he's got. And I think he's going to show that this year. Um, 
on the pitching side, Aiden May, he he's got some of the best stuff I think we'll see in the country this year, uh, especially breaking ball. Uh, so I'm excited to see him show up late in the season too, and and show the world, uh, yeah, show the world what he's got because uh, that's when it matters. And yeah, I think the biggest thing is just like watch out for our whole offense as a whole. I think I'm excited to see how we perform, but really one through nine, one through 12 right now, uh, bats wise is, is legit. Like guys that could hit at the top of the lineup are hitting in the nine hole. And I, I think it's going to be a real, real impressive season on that front. And hopefully we can take it all the way to Omaha and then to the national championship. That's sort of where the team's expectations are at, but I think we've got a really solid squad and there's a lot of guys that are going to perform. Travis, we might need to hire you over here at D1 Baseball. That was a phenomenal scouting report, phenomenal roundup of who we should look out for. I mean, you narrowed it down quick. That's the fastest answer I've had to that question so far. So good on you, man. <laughs> I I appreciate you having that answer ready, locked, and loaded. Now, last question. What is the mindset for Travis Bazana going into the 2024 season? Pour into the guys as much as I can and focus, focus solely on how I can – like bring the best energy and bring the most out of the guys around me. And if I focus on that, like everything we're doing in terms of winning is going to take care of itself. And then if we go out and take care of the winning part, everything that plays out in terms of the draft and moving into the professional ranks is, is going to take care of itself. But I just got to control my day-to-day work, day-to-day actions and let that rub off on the guys around me and, and really just bring a winning identity with everyone and, and really continue to get better every day and set that standard for me and, and, and my teammates. So we're all getting better. And we put ourselves in a good position to win a lot of games and then go out and win in Omaha. But yeah, I think just like keeping the focus on winning day in, day out, winning all the little decisions in my life in, in training and whatever, nutrition, sleep, um, and then just keep it on that process where all the other stuff's going to take care of itself. But just honing in on the small details and not getting caught up in any hype or external noise. Absolutely. No, that's a phenomenal answer. And I think that's the mindset to have of the just, look, we take care of the small things every day, then the big things become easy. So I, I love where your head's at. I'm excited to watch the Oregon State Beavers in 2024. I'm excited to watch you in 2024. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to join us, Travis. I really appreciate it. <laughs> No worries. It was good. Thank you, Stan. The Shock Factor Podcast is part of the SiriusXM Sports Podcast Network. If you enjoyed this episode and want to hear more, please give a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe today wherever you stream your podcasts. Picture this. You're on a John Deere compact tractor, enjoying the sun as you clear brush across your pasture. You just have to get in the seat. Learn more at johndeere.com slash get in the seat or visit a dealer near you. Buying a master mechanics tool set usually means high prices, higher interest rates, and who knows how many years of monthly payments. But at GearWrench, we don't believe that your tools should take years and years to pay for. So check out Mega Mod Master Sets, the master mechanics tool sets that deliver pro-quality tools, organized storage solutions, an easy-to-use lifetime warranty, and much, much more. 
all for thousands less than you'd expect. So don't wait. Explore the sets and check availability now. Only at GearWrench.com. 